every book of the Bible, every book of the Bible is very rich. But some feel richer than others to us, and sometimes it's different from person to person. Deuteronomy feels even richer than many books of the Bible, and therefore it is a challenge to bring it together into a Sunday morning overview sermon. We'll see how it goes. As we make our way through the Bible, whether in a Sunday morning series like this, or whether in our own personal Bible reading, in a one-year Bible reading plan, it can be very hard for us to appreciate the passage of time in the Bible. And we need to put effort into it just to keep our bearings. It's like when you are on a trip and you go somewhere where you don't know all the roads by heart, you're paying attention to the map or to the GPS to help keep your bearings. And one of the ways to help keep your bearings as you read the scriptures is try to pay attention to the passage of time so you can orient yourself to where you are, what is happening, and what is the context so you can better appreciate the application to yourself. So let me ask you, in light of that, how many of you remember vividly what was happening 38 years ago? Maybe some of you, but probably most of us know. I was only two years old 38 years ago. And as we come into the book of Deuteronomy, uh, we looked at last week that book of Numbers. Numbers spanned 38 years. And so now as we enter into the book of Deuteronomy, it has been 38 years since the children of Israel, actually 39 years since the children of Israel have stood there at that mountain called Sinai and entered into a special, they had a special ceremony and they entered into a covenant as a nation, the nation of Israel, they had a special covenant ceremony there at Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus. And so the passage of time causes things to fade. Now, when things fade, some of the things need to fade in our lives. Some of the hurts and struggles, it's good. They say time heals wounds. Well, sometimes it does. And it's good to have that passage of time to help us put distance between us and some things that were very painful. But some things should not fade, but they do. And that's what it is for the children of Israel, the nation of Israel. After 38, 39 years, the things that God had established them with in the book of Exodus, many of them had faded. And therefore, they needed renewal. The nation of Israel needed renewal. And so let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. And now, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them, that you may live and go in and take possession of the land the Lord God of your fathers is giving you. 
So Genesis gets the family of Abraham um, and his descendants into the, the land of Egypt and outside the land of promise. Exodus gets the nation of Israel um, with a mighty arm of God out of the land of Egypt and heading toward the land of promise and also establishes a special covenant with them. And then you have Leviticus where it goes deep into what it means to be in that covenant relationship as a nation of Israel. And then Numbers, you have this passage of a generation of time where they're living in this covenant relationship with God. And they make many mistakes and God gives them many things to learn and grow with. And so now, as you enter into the book of Deuteronomy, that 40 years in the wilderness is coming to an end and they are on the edge of the promised land they've come up on the east side of the dead sea and the jordan river and they are getting ready to cross the jordan river which happens in the book of joshua to enter that promised land that promised destination so as that they're at this this fulcrum point of the past of what has happened in the wilderness and what god did in bringing them out of egypt and then they're looking to the future and getting ready to enter the promised destination god calls them to renewal and he wants to prep their hearts he wants to coach them based on the things that have happened in the past and the things that are going to happen in the future he wants to coach their hearts in that present time and bring them to a point of renewal. There is something about the book of Deuteronomy that if you go deep and study it and dig in, that almost all the commentaries are going to mention, is that it doesn't look that way to us, but if you were to examine some of the legal documents back around the same time that Deuteronomy took place, the legal documents with other surrounding nations, you would see... um, forms of what we call treaties where there is an agreement between a king who is in charge of a subservient nation and they make an agreement between one another and so here as we see the structure of Deuteronomy many people are going to point out that that is what is happening is that it's like one of those ancient treaties um, between a, a king and a subservient nation and so that in its pattern was not something that would have been lost on the Israelite people. They would have at least, many of them, understood that. And so you apply that to this idea in Deuteronomy that God is king and he wants a relationship with his people and he is reestablishing that, he is renewing that, and that is precisely what is happening in the book of Deuteronomy. Now, Perhaps you're snoozing already. Uh, I, I'm sorry, um, but I think that's an important thing. Um, I remember years ago, um, I was already, I was out of, uh, I think I was out of grad school, and I was, my mom came down to, to visit me in South Carolina, and I had grown up in South Carolina, and we were going back and, and trying to visit one of the old places where we lived, when I was two, by the way. And I remember it was in Liberty, South Carolina, and we we drove through Liberty like six times trying to find the road to turn down to, to, to where we used to live. It had been so many years since she had driven those roads, she couldn't find the place where she used to drive hundreds of times a year. Throughout the passage of time, things fade. And we, because of our relationship with God can fade, 
periodic renewal is needed. Some people like to renew their marriage vows just to to relive and to rethink and re-go through that and recommit themselves. We have on our calendars, we have days of remembrance because we want to renew the thoughts and concerns and the lessons from those times. And so as we look at the book of Deuteronomy, the key point is that the Bible is the best story ever. And Deuteronomy calls God's people to covenant relationship renewal. And that's there on your handout. Deuteronomy calls God's people to covenant relationship renewal. And we've talked about how with a covenant, you don't have two people, two parties. And whenever it's two human beings or two countries, it's a, a covenant is a very complicated thing because we are sinners or we fail. We don't meet our obligations. But whenever God is one of those parties and we are the other, it is a beautiful thing. And although we fail, we have the character and the constancy of God to rely on to have a relationship with him. And that is a beautiful thing. So here in Deuteronomy, how does covenant relationship renewal take place? How is the nation of Israel going to renew themselves in their relationship with God? We're going to look at three ways today. I'm going to tell them to you ahead of time, and then we'll look at them one by one. There are three ways that we can look at from the book of Deuteronomy to re- the, the nation of Israel renewed their covenant relationship with God. First of all, by looking at God. And second, by considering our response to God. And third, by applying these to the past, future, and present. Let's pray. We're gathered here together today, O oh God, and we are dependent upon you Your word is constant and beautiful and wonderful. But we are weak and frail. Inspired by you and your work in magnifying Christ in our hearts. And Father, as we look at your overarching beautiful plan. God, we pray that you would open our eyes. That you would strengthen us, encourage us, give us hope. And may we celebrate what you are doing and how we can be renewed. We pray these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, as um, I was preparing for today, I had to rely on um, Dr. Robert Bell's article on Deuteronomy. Uh, It was just, there's so much for me to sift through, I just need to properly cite him because he really helped me organize some things today. So I usually don't cite somebody, but I was particularly dependent upon him for today, and so I I would cite him. So as we look at how to do covenant relationship renewal, we first need to look at the fact that covenant relationship renewal happens by looking to God. Covenant relationship renewal happens by looking to God. It's time for a quick reminder here. 
because it's such an important part of the big themes of the Bible. The fact that there is a nation of Israel is because God in his plan rescued them. God took the initiative. In order for covenant renewal to take place, we must look to God himself. Look at his character. Look at who God is. And look at the works that he has done. That's an essential part of renewal in our relationship with God. If we try to bring fervency and bring religious experience to ourselves and make ourselves feel good outside of looking to God and His character and what He has done, it will be shallow and ultimately meaningless. doesn't mean you may not get some extra fervor, a little bump here and there, but ultimately it will go away because it's not rooted in God Himself. So I wanted to to look here at Deuteronomy. I'm going to look at several references. Um, I might give you a few extras because we can't cover them all um, to help us understand what God has done as we see these references in the book of Deuteronomy. So Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 24 says, O Lord God, you have only begun to show your servant your greatness. And your mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? So here Moses is speaking to God and recognizing God's greatness, his character of greatness, but also his mighty, awesome actions. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 24. And you said, Behold, The Lord our God has shown us his glory. We don't use the word glory too much um, in colloquial speaking, but we do use it some. We talk about people having their moment of glory or those moments of glory in sports or, or maybe you did perform really well or something. So here the idea is glory moments are awesome. And anybody who sees them wants to watch them more because they're so awesome. So that's what it is with God and his glory. We've seen his awesomeness and his greatness. And we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. This day we have seen God speak with man and still live. God took the initiative to rescue the children of Israel, but also he revealed himself to them. He spoke proactively to them, and it was an awesome Beautiful, great, glorious thing. And also look at God's faithfulness. <coughs> Deuteronomy. Well, I don't have that slide there. Um, so we're going to move on. We're going to look at how God has revealed himself. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 9. Only take care. And keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen. And lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life, make them known to your children and your children's children. This is a beautiful thing to see how God has revealed himself, and we are to respond to that properly. 
Then Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 17 through 18. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great and the mighty and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. And here's the one I was looking for earlier. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 4, speaking of God's faithfulness, calls God the rock. His work is perfect. That's hard to believe because any of us, we're used to, if we get close enough to anybody, we're going to see imperfections. We are going to be frustrated with people. No matter if it's in our family, if it's in our workplace, no matter if it's friends, but as we consider the fact that there is no reason to be ultimately frustrated with God because he is the rock. His work is perfect. All his ways are justice. Now, we do get frustrated with God in our frailty and in our inability to understand what he is doing. But ultimately, as we look at him and gaze upon him and process what is happening, we see beyond our frustration and we see the perfection of God. In fact, as you talk about the character of God, many people, instead of using the word character of God, they're going to say the perfections of God. Why? Because God's character is perfect. So they call his character his perfections. His character traits are his perfections. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is he. And then as God reveals himself to you, it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God. There is no other besides him. The the oneness of God, the, the, the uniqueness of God, there is nobody like him in a beautiful and wonderful way. Out of heaven, he lets you hear his voice that he might discipline you. And on earth, he lets you see his great fire. And you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence and by his great power, there's love that God has, but also power, driving out before you nations greater and mightier than you to bring you in, to give you their land for an inheritance as it is this day. Know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven, God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. There is no other. And I have several other references talking about how God revealed himself and he spoke to these people and showed his characteristics, his perfections to them. And also how he showed his presence to them. Experiencing God's presence is one of the ultimate things, a part of this this great storyline, the best story ever. Starting with that low point, well, starting in the Garden of Eden where there was a full presence with God in a relationship with Adam and Eve. And then being banished from the garden from God's presence and then how he progressively brings his presence closer and closer to us until now today the Holy Spirit the very presence of God lives inside of us and then ultimately again indwelling but also walking together with God in the new 
creation. We could go on and on and on, but I'm going to have to stop somewhere. Let me ask you just personally this morning, are you at a point where you feel shriveled up or hurt? Do you feel unloved? Do you feel uncared for? Do you feel alone? Part of processing these very real feelings you do need to acknowledge them and understand where you are. But you should never fail to renew yourself by looking at the character of God and how you have a personal relationship with a wonderful God. This cannot be overstated. Human brokenness can never ultimately be solved outside of the character and work of God. And that character and work of God is for you personally. It's not an impersonal thing out there. It's just talked about as a concept. It is something that you experience. You personally, in your heart, in your soul, in your body, experience the character of God. And experience His work for you, on your behalf, for your healing, and for your best interest. And so as you're struggling with whatever is breaking you right now, you must, a part of the solution to that is look to the character of God. What he is for you personally, as well as what he does for you, his works. So Deuteronomy calls God's people to a covenant relationship renewal. And as we look at how to do covenant relationship renewal, We first look at God, who He is, and His works. But there is a pattern in Deuteronomy all throughout the book. And I want to look at just one passage so you can see this pattern in action. We're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, starting in verse 32. Deuteronomy 4, 32. For ask now the days that are past, which were before you since the day that God created man on the earth. And ask from one end of heaven to the other, whether such a great thing as this has ever happened or was ever heard of. Did any people ever hear the voice of a God speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and still live? Or has any God ever attempted to go and take a nation for himself from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, and by war? By a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great deeds of terror, all of which the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God. There is no other besides him. <clears throat> 
Out of heaven, he let you hear his voice that he might discipline you. And on earth, he let you see his great fire and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence by his great power, driving out before you nations greater and mightier than you to bring you in, to give you their land for an inheritance as it is this day. Know therefore today and lay it to your heart. Here's some application. That the Lord is God in heaven, above and on the earth beneath. There is no other. Now here's where the pattern really starts to set in. Therefore, based on all those verses I just read, therefore you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. There are many other passages like this one. So in case you didn't catch the pattern, it talks about all that God, who he was, and his character and his works, and then it followed up with the proper response to his character and his works. So get that again. So it talked about all the things that God had done in his character uh, with the nation of Israel, and then it gave us a therefore and said, well, how do we respond to that? What do we do about that? And that is a pattern throughout all the book of Deuteronomy. So as we are looking to who God is and the works he has done for covenant renewal, we also need to respond properly to God. So number two today, covenant relationship renewal happens by a proper response to God. Number one had to do with looking to God. Number two talks about a proper response to God. Covenant relationship renewal happens by a proper response to God. I'm very grateful that this is our relationship with God, that this is the reality. Because you see, God revealed himself and was moving the, the nation of Israel to a promised destination, even though they had many failures. And that is the reality of God, that even though we have many failures, God is faithfully helping us and moving us. God is the only one that you and I are 100% safe with. There is no other human being on earth that you are 100% safe with. Now, there are many that you're close to, and that percentage might be very high that you are safe with them. But no other human being are you 100% safe with. Only God. And it's no matter how bad you you have been. If you have entered into a relationship with God through the the gate of salvation, you are 100% safe with God. To to experience that safety, you must know what it means to 
truly be a Christian, to be born again. You and I did not earn that salvation, that safety, by our own performance. It's impossible. And we don't keep that safety and keep that salvation through our performance. And that's what we see as a pattern with the nation of Israel and their relationship with God. Is that in spite of failures, God is graciously, mercifully, faithfully moving them towards the promised destination of full restoration. And Deuteronomy is full of coaching that shows us how to respond to God properly by aligning our heart and our actions to Him. First of all, you have the response of a singular heart. This is a passage in Deuteronomy that's, um, well, actually, that's coming up. I will give you this one first. You should be careful, therefore, to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in the way that the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land that you shall possess. Now this is the commandment. The statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Here's where we go. So here's once again... This, this part of the New Testament that we hear in our, is quoted many times. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. It was a long passage there, but there it's culminating in context after God has given them many words. It's culminating by telling them that covenant renewal, renewing of your relationship with God, goes back to a singular heart, a dedicated fully intense heart that's locked on to God in loving him and living for him. A part of a proper response is passing it down to the next generation. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down And when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. There's a couple key words in the book of Deuteronomy. 
in one of the most important words in the book of Deuteronomy shows a big part of our response to God. And it's the idea of keep or watch over or guard or keep or be careful. It shows up 73 times in the book of Deuteronomy. Remember in Leviticus, one of the key words was holiness. Well, one of the key words in Deuteronomy is this idea of keep or watch over or to be careful. It's talking about our attitude towards what God has given us, his commandments and his character and his works. How do we respond? What attitude do we have? We are careful to guard it and to keep it. In our house last night, there was some guarding and watching over of Halloween candy. And so it was very important. So we did not have to coach our kids to protect their candy. Now, they were pretty fair, and they did some trades later on, but there were some initial reactions of, no, mine. And it's that same attitude, but in a very positive context of what God has said and what he has done and what he has commanded is, yes, that is mine. I own that, and that is me. And that is a prevailing attitude that is commanded and challenged that we should have in the book of Deuteronomy as a part of renewal in our lives. There is another word that is very closely associated. Well, let me give you just one reference with this idea of keep. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 6. Keep them. There's that word keep. And do them. For that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples or the nations around. Who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this, nation, this great nation is a wise and understanding people. So a closely associated word, it's another key word in Deuteronomy. This shows up 91 times. Is this word of hear. You could translate it listen. In some contexts, it comes out with more of the idea of obey. So you hear it, but along with that is a strong emphasis on hearing and doing. And there are some passages where it shows up together in the passage. Here in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 9, only take care and keep your soul. So take care and keep is the same original word. It's just emphasizing an idea of vigilance, of keeping watch over and guarding. Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. I didn't include the slide, but in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 6, just a few verses earlier, you have that word hear and obey. So hear and obey as well as keep or be careful show up together a lot in the book of Deuteronomy. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, there's that word here, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today. And you shall learn them and be careful to do them. That word careful is the idea of guard or keeping, but also in the same verse you have the word here. 
So two key words in the book of Deuteronomy is be careful, vigilantly, grab it. This is mine. His words are mine. His character is mine. God is mine. And then also I'm vigilant to hear and to obey. I have a whole lot of other references that I just didn't bring up for the sake of time. So as you bring these two concepts together, key to renewal in our lives and our relationship with God in our proper response to God is vigilance, diligence, and to hear and obey. You're not being vigilant. You're not being diligent. You're not hearing and obeying just for performance's sake. That is out of balance and you're missing the point. You already have 100% safety with God. You don't have to perform to get any status with God. Jesus has given that status for you. But a part of a healthy relationship with God and a part of proper renewal is that I'm responding to God because of who he is. And because of that, I want to hear and I want to obey. Many people's Christian lives are shallow because they are obeying for the sake of trying to make themselves feel get, feel better. And they're missing the point because they've missed God in that equation. If your Christian life is all about the externals for the sake of measuring up, you are a miserable Christian. God still loves you. But you need to learn that if it's all about measuring up to others, you're lying to yourself and you're lying to others and we're lying to each other. Because you're never going to measure up. You're going to screw up. And if we can't be real with ourselves about our needs and where we're trying to grow, then we're hurting ourselves and hurting others around us. In Christ, we have 100% safety. And a proper response for renewal in our lives is to look at who God is. And that so grabs our heart that we have a proper response of diligence to want to obey him and to hear his voice. That is the motivation. That that is the flow of process of growth. If you try to put anything else before that, it's going to be out of whack. Deuteronomy calls God's people to covenant relationship renewal. And as we look at how to do covenant relationship renewal, we first look at God, who he is and all of his works. And then we see the pattern throughout Deuteronomy where after looking at God and who he is, then we are called to respond properly to that. And there's one more part of Deuteronomy that I want us to consider this morning that helps us with covenant relationship renewal. Number three, this one's going to be very brief, but I wanted to get it on the page and under your consideration. Number three, covenant relationship renewal happens by applying these, meaning number one and number two, by applying these to the past, future, and present. Past, future, 
and present. The order here is intentional. Past, future, and present. Past, present, and future is um, cliche at this point. At least it almost is. But I really feel like Deuteronomy intentionally looks to the past and considers what God has done. And it also considers much of the improper response of Israel in the past. But even though there was an improper response of Israel in the past, there is still a future destination that God is taking them to. So this is key to our own renewal. So after looking at the past of what God has done for us, after looking at the past and seeing what God had done for the nation of Israel, Deuteronomy also looks to the future when they are in the land, that promised land, and gives them instructions for that future time. This future then is applied to how do we live properly in that future time. There was a lot of specifics for the nation of Israel about what they were to do when they were in the land, that promised destination. And part of that was enjoying God's blessing when they lived in that promised destination and also enjoying his presence. So with these views of past and future, or lenses, Deuteronomy calls the nation of Israel to a present action of renewal. I know that was a little complicated, but I want to make this clear here. With Deuteronomy looks at the past, what God has done and what Israel had done, and then it looks at the future, what will be and how to live properly in the future, And then, in the present, Deuteronomy calls the nation of Israel to renewal. So let's apply that to ourselves. As we seek renewal in our lives, we need the context of our past relationship with God. The assurance of a future relationship with God. And through those lenses, we can address our renewal in our present relationship with God. I believe that is critical for renewal in our lives. I'm going to say it again. As we seek renewal in our lives, we need the context of our past relationship with God the assurance of a future relationship with God. And through those lenses, we can address our renewal in our present relationship with God. I think that that really ties together what's happening in Deuteronomy. Pulling it together. The Bible is the best story ever. And Deuteronomy calls God's people to a covenant 
relationship renewal by looking to God, responding properly to God, and by applying these to the past, future, and present. The blanks are relationship renewal, God, and then God, and then past, future, and present. I recognize in the seasons of life and the ups and downs of life that not every moment, every point in life is a point for renewal. But there are times when renewal is needed. So the question for you this morning is, do you need renewal in your relationship with God? Some of the old-timey folks would call it revival. Renewal, revival, a reviving, a drawing close to God. What I can tell you is if you are a true child of God and you're in need of renewal, God is going to be impressing that need upon you. The Spirit of God is going to be stirring in your heart saying, yes, you need renewal. Another reason why perhaps renewal can become heavy upon our hearts is because of the brokenness we're currently experiencing. And it feels like the brokenness is so big that we can't see God anymore. In in moments like that, we know we need to run to God. Look at Him, His character and His works. And then from that, begin to, with a wholehearted, true, genuine, authentic response because of what we saw and who God is and what He has done, to hear and obey and to be vigilant about it. And a part of processing that as we look at what God has done in the past, we look at what he's promised to do in the future, and that guides us and challenges us and energizes us in our renewal in the present. encourage you to take a few minutes to respond. Be honest with yourself. Part of your human sinfulness is to suppress, to disconnect from, to lie to yourself about your true condition. Thankful for the Holy Spirit of God who says, hey, you're lying to yourself. Are you lying to yourself this morning? Spirit of God saying, hey, you're lying to yourself. You're fooling yourself. You need renewal. So I encourage you to say, as confession means, yes, Lord, that's true. That's what confession means, saying, yes, Lord, that's true about me.